Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Paul Oakley Stovall, welcome to The Opinion Line. Delighted to have you with us at the end of the line. Frederick Douglass is a man, Paul, I must admit, I had never heard of until about maybe 10 years ago. But but the more I hear about him, and as a Corkman, I'm kind of ashamed to say that, but the more I hear about him, the more interesting he becomes. Like, he was only 12 when he was reading the speeches of of Daniel O'Connell. Like, how did you discover his story? And, And I suppose in particular, the Cork side. Well, first of all, don't feel bad because I did an interview when I was in Cork back in February. I didn't know where Cork was. So, you know, we learn and we we move forward and we we grow together. Um, so, Frederick, I, I found out about it from an Irish woman uh, who I was working on a writing project. We were mentors for young writers and we were doing it over Zoom because of COVID. So she had to wake up at odd hours to join the team. But uh, we got to know each other on the side and she said, hey, do you know about Frederick Douglass? And I said, well, of course. <laughs> I'm a college educated black man. Of course, I, mean, I was almost offended that she would ask. And she, <laughs> and she said, oh, so you know about his time in Ireland? Silence, silence, as I looked Google real quick because I didn't believe it. And I said, well, no, what, what that, I would have known that. I would have known that. And she said, oh no, there's a, there's a, you're gonna fall down a rabbit hole. She told me about Daniel O'Connell and she, we were going down the rabbit hole and then she quickly stopped herself and said, you know, I think you should just go take it from here and see where Frederick's spirit leads you. And that's what happened. I started digging, I became quickly obsessed. I decided I need to come to Ireland. I got connected with the Douglas Week people. Next thing I know I'm in Cork. And I'm, I was having the same experience as you. Like, I didn't know this entire city existed, let alone that that was the heart of his time in Ireland was in Cork. He spent the most time in Cork. First time I heard about him, I was in one of our hotels in the city and I saw his name on a plaque and I said, who's he? And, and, at the Imperial. At the yeah, Imperial, yeah. That's right. And, and why should I be interested? Who's he? And it's from kind of from that day to this, I've learned more about him. Yeah. I mean, listen, I was just there last month with Frederick's great, great, great grandson. He had never been in there. And I'm leading him in there to the path where his great, great, great grandfather walked and spoke. And I I had discovered one of the ballrooms that Frederick spoke in. And um, so I, could, I showed him that. And we're just casually walking through. I mean, no one knew who he was. It was, it was great. How do you think that a completely unknown American could land in Cork 
spend a relatively short amount of time here and make such an enormous impression, Paul. Are you talking about Frederick or me? <laughs> <laughs> because Frederick was not unknown. Uh, let's let's say that he 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 was very well known in the states. In fact, it was because of his notoriety that he had to flee, and I think that's when fate and the 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 mythology and the angels of Ireland stepped in and that's just the, that's the place that was chosen and it became this magical place where he he became the orator that we then found him to be when he returned from Ireland mm. he wouldn't have been well known here so how did he get to come from the states to Ireland so there were abolitionist groups in you know Ireland had uh, long since abolished slavery in 1833 I believe one of the first countries to do it over there and there were networks of abolitionists and Quaker families who uh, from Boston and Ireland, you know, writing letters back and forth, trying that, you know, the people in Ireland trying to help the abolitionists in the States to get the States to end slavery. And when this all happened, they had this network in place and there was a price put on Frederick's head when he released his first narrative. And so they said, you know what, you need to get out of here we have people in Ireland that will take care of you and just go there for a few days, go there for a week and let things blow over. And then he, of course, did a speaking engagement at the Music Hall, which is now the Abbey Theater in Dublin. And he became a sensation. And they quickly realized, oh, he's going to do a speaking tour. And they set it up. And then when he got to Cork, I think he just hit well in Cork. Uh, he, He had spoken in Dublin. He had spoken in Waterford. He actually showed up in Cork with a bit of a cold but he, he was on fire at that point. He had gotten a rhythm and Cork received him. The Jennings family received him so well. And um, he met Father Matthew there. And the, the, so the temperance issue was on the table and he was able to just dig in in Cork, you know. He was a very young man, relatively speaking, when he came. 27. I mean, you know, now you and I, 27 back then was 35. You know, he already had a wife and two kids or maybe even three and you say that today to a 27 year old and they ah! <laughs> but so you know 27 felt like it was much older then than it is now is what you're saying to me yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. at least in our perception yeah. yeah where did he learn his oratorial skills well that's the thing that's part you know the research i'm doing is listen i don't say this to to uh, kiss up to Ireland, where I'd like to move and live someday. <laughs> but I think he, I think he learned it there because he had a captive audience, where he had no fear of anything other than giving a good speech. You know, in America, when he was zigzagging around talking about his book, there was danger. There was danger. You know, someone could rush up on the stage, or, or they could be waiting for him when he left the stage. And I think after the first few speeches when he realized, oh, I can just give the speech. This audience is wrapped and and hanging on every word and they're intelligent and interested in what I'm saying and it's affecting them and, and they're having a real give and take with me. They're, they're happy to react loudly. A lot of the newspaper reports will put in parentheticals, loud groans, enthusiastic applause at certain moments. I think that's where he honed it. I think that's where he got the rhythm. That's where he learned how to hold for the applause or or where to put a certain story within the speech where he knew it would hit better. I think he learned it in Ireland. He had the talent. He just had to have a platform on which to work the muscle. Mm. He also, I think, was a bit taken aback that he could land in a city like Cork and people just saw a man. 
There was no judgment of him by the color of his skin, which was new to him. In fact, it was almost they would just walk by and not do anything. You know, it was almost the reverse, like nothing. You got nothing. And because Irish people are like, well, show me what you got. And then I'll. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm on my way. Now, that's not to say every Irish person doesn't stop and say hello and is very friendly and kind. But I, I know what you're saying is we don't judge you on how you look. Hmm. We, we 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 do judge you, but it has more to do with what do you have to say? What are you what are you doing with your life? How do you treat your family? What are you what are you doing? And I think that was very freeing. And most of his most of the quotes that we attribute to him, his his more famous quotes, they they were written in Ireland actually. Now we mentioned you mentioned earlier on you were here in February, and just the other week we had the unveiling of the the walking tour around the city of the places that he visited. How important is it to you that we take this man and his memory so seriously? It means the world to me. I uh, Not to get to uh, Kumbaya or Ghosts and Miracles, but in May of 2019, I was in Rochester on tour with Hamilton, and I took myself on a day off to the cemetery where Frederick is laid to rest. And you got to walk about over a half mile into the cemetery to find his burial plot. And there's a beautiful gravestone and even chairs for sitting because people do spend time sitting there. And I spent about three hours just laying there talking to him and saying, you know, use me, put me to use, Frederick. If you can hear me, put me to use. Uh, It's long overdue for Frederick Douglass to hit the zeitgeist. I was just speaking to a director, Charles Randolph Wright, about all the projects coming up about Frederick. It's his time. He's back in the, he's back, you know, and these things happen in this way. So the more Frederick projects, the better. And it's important because he's a self-made man. Now, I know people get prickly when they hear self-made. What I mean when I say that is he, he had the gumption, he had the audacity to say, I'm going to claim my autonomy and nothing but death will stop me. And that's, you know, that's, that's an important message nowadays, if, if taken the right way. It, it can spin out of control. I, I, do, I do understand that, I'm aware of that. But for people of color, for anyone who feels they are in an oppressed group, anyone who feels that their voice is not heard, Frederick Douglass is the, is the person for you. Dig into his writing. Uh, I just gave this big speech in Poughkeepsie using his words and the things he was saying could have been written yesterday. Why does he mean so much? This is deeply personal, I sense, Paul, speaking to you. Why does he mean so much to you personally? Well, I personally have felt that uh, I've often found myself in rooms where my voice wasn't heard. I've often found myself in rooms where I've been misunderstood. I've often found myself in rooms where people find it unbelievable that I've had any kind of suffering as a black gay man in America because I'm, quote, well-spoken, end quote. Uh, And and, and Frederick ran into that a lot, too. I feel like I vibrate on on his journey in, in many ways. People wouldn't believe his stories of how bad slavery was because of how intelligently he spoke about it. I mean, what a catch-22. When I tell people my experiences with the police, when I tell people my experiences with people telling just blatant lies about me because they don't feel that I'm behaving the way that I should, that that I don't know my place, so to speak, people don't believe me because of the way I talk about it. So, 
you get you get caught in in this in this place of well if i show you who i am and how accomplished i am then you don't believe me when i tell you some of the wrongs that need to be righted hmm. where i was thinking was that maybe the the things that frederick douglas was saying all those years ago and and his determination and his drive did he open the door for a man like you to be as successful as you are today so he opened the door he opened the window he uh you know he's holding the door still absolutely absolutely but that means it is my responsibility to keep his words alive so that the next generation will know that there's someone because listen we have no recording of his voice we have no video that we can watch although i do stand on my claim that frederick was the first ever social media influencer because he was the most photographed human being of the 19th century and he very much curated his image he never smiled in his photographs he didn't want to propagate this image of the happy slave there was nothing happy about slavery frederick often said so he curated that image and um you know that was the that was his modern he you know he was a modern man in his modern time and that was his way of uh, of curating his image and i believe that it's important to do what we can to keep it alive and pass it down i get the sense from listening to you paul we've come an awful long way since the days of frederick douglas but we have more work to do always more work to do always more work to do pj you know what i'm discovering in ireland is incredible it's incredibly useful but it's also a lesson for the people of ireland what I, one of the things i'm discovering is uh frederick was there at near the onset of the great famine the great hunger yeah, yeah. and some irish people will talk to me about it and say yeah no it was an attempted genocide yeah a lot of people believe that, Paul. There was enough. There was enough to go around, but the British took it and tried to starve us to death. A lot of people believe that. Yep. A lot of people believe that, and so, um, and some won't say it. And and what I what I sense in that, as an outsider looking in, is man, there's a conversation that that you all need to have, and you're very humble and shy, and you know, you're not people who will brag and or or, or you know, and, and I find that we have a lot in common, the black people in America and Irish people, this sense of we've been through enough. Let's just get on with it. You, we're, we're both kind of just let's get on with it type of people, right? Yeah. But I, I think maybe that conversation needs to be awakened and there might be something there to open up the pride in, in the, the next generation to say, hey, we're survivors. Hey, we're incredible. You know, Irish people don't want to say that. Now, Maybe I should just stay out of it, you know. <laughs> it's listen. It's a conversation and a, and a fascinating one. Right, right, right. I want to awaken that, and uh, also that it was Irish women were leading the way with the abolitionist cause because they the women played a huge role, didn't they, huge in Frederick's visit, visit while he was here? I mean, even in Cork, huge role played by women. Yes, Anne Jennings, Isabel Jennings, was arranging his speeches and helping him with the sales of his book. He would have books being sold in three different locations while he's giving the speech. And so after he came out, he'd have to stop by the three locations to meet and greet and uh, check on the books. And Isabel handled it all while she was receiving letters from uh, Dublin and sending letters to the next city to get him set up in Limerick. I mean, and then in Limerick, it's the Fisher sisters. And then in Belfast, it's Mary Amber Kraken. So, you know, but these women kind of slide by in history. Mm. 
we don't give them their due, but in my series, they really get their due. Now, let's talk about the television show that you're working on. I believe yeah. it's an eight-parter. When, yeah. when and where are we likely to see it? When is, you know, one of those things where we say uh, slow and steady wins the race. We're working, we're taking different meetings. Uh, Ken Morris, uh, Frederick Baker, great-grandson, has come on board as a creative partner. And even today, there's some phone calls. Like So that we need that bigger producer to come mm-hmm. on so that we can focus on true development. So I- I'm hoping within a year and a half, we are in production, meaning I would consider this entire year, next year and a half pre-production. Trying to pull in some uh, Irish actors, uh, Eve Hewson, Saoirse, you know, we're trying to... Wow. You know, will, will it be a documentary or a docudrama, Paul? What will it be? No, it'll, it'll, it'll be a narrative drama like The Crown. Okay. Oh, yeah. I want these actors. And it's funny, when I, <laughs> I have learned, I have been in Ireland long enough now to know Listen, that accent in Cork is different from Limerick, is different from Belfast, <laughs> different from Waterford, and don't play around with that. We're very proud someone. of it. Don't mess yeah, up. Yes, don't have someone who's not from Cork trying to do a Cork accent. Oh, no. So uh, that's going to be fun, trying to figure out, okay, so which of the great Irish actors are from Cork? Who will, who will those will be the ones we choose from. And I think it'll be great fun, actually. So, you know, also part of the game is getting Ireland behind this project so who are the right producers over there who say oh yeah this is great because listen as i'm writing this i'm going frederick is one of the few black actors anyway this is going to have a lot of irish actors in it this is going to be a very proud series for ireland and a lot of cork people in it by the sounds of it hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Oh, yeah, because Cork actually gets two episodes because so much happens there. So most of the cities get one episode. And when you film here? Absolutely. You can't fake it. You can't fake Ireland. And you can't fake the way these cities, they look slightly different, even though they're built around the same time, the Georgian architecture and everything. You can't fake it. We will be very excited to see what happens here, Uh, Paul. Now, also this weekend, you've been recreating 
one of Frederick's uh, best-known speeches in, in a place called, help me here, Poughkeepsie? Poughkeepsie. Tell me about that. Listen, I thought that the eight-episode project is uh, a behemoth and mammoth and difficult. Trying to cut and edit and adapt one of Frederick's speeches, because, listen, I wasn't going to speak for three hours yesterday. I might have gone for it, but no one will sit there for that long and, you know, nowadays. So I had to cut the speech. And so what I thought was the best thing to do is I actually wrote a song when I was in Cork about Frederick called Outside, and I shot a video in the Imperial Hotel of the song. And I intercut that song into the speech so that I could sing a bit of it and then make a jump to another section of the speech without it being so clumsy. So I did, it, it, it ended up just being, a, you know, I only had like 27 minutes they gave me, hmm. which seems like a lot actually, but when you're doing Frederick Douglass text, that was difficult to cut his speech down. Uh, I spoke, the city showed up. We were at the highest point in the city where Frederick spoke uh, in 1858 on that day. So it was a nice anniversary. The mayor was there. It was a big event. He, he then, after I finished, proclaimed it Frederick Douglass Day in Poughkeepsie. And the speech itself was about uh, the British emancipation in the West Indies. It was the anniversary of the British emancipation, which was August 1st, 1834. They invited Frederick to speak, but <laughs> they should have thought before they invited him because he just he took the opportunity to eviscerate the fact that he's standing there helping them celebrate that England is at their like 24th year without slaves. And he is one standing there in front of all these people in America saying, and we can't get it together. So yeah, maybe they did it on purpose, but uh, yeah, it was quite a speech. Isn't it such a pity, like you mentioned earlier on, isn't it such a pity we don't have even one recording? Yeah, because people say to me, uh, one of the interviews I did on NPR before I did the event was how do you, you know, you play George Washington and Hamilton, now you're going to play Frederick. How do you find the voice and that's the pity you know um but but then again you just you you take it as well that's also the benefit that's the job of an actor isn't it as well to portray you know that's right it's also the benefit i don't have anything that i have to imitate i don't have anything that i have to try and nail all i have to do is get the words Mm. and make sense of them i'm thinking in my mind paul that he may sound or may have sounded something like, I think, a man you know well, and I would say one of the great orators of the last 40 years, 50 years, Barack Obama. I would say that too. I would say you take a mix of Barack Obama and mix it maybe with a little John Lewis because there was so much at stake when Frederick spoke. Mm. There was literal life and death for him, but the oratory skill and the patience with which he made you lean into what he was saying, absolutely. Um, our former president, 44, Barack Obama. Who I, I know you know well. Let's talk a little bit finally about, about Hamilton, because if someone said 20 years ago, look, I'm going to write a musical based on the story of one of the founding fathers. It's going to be a, a pop music, hip-hop musical. Like, could anybody have predicted just what a phenomenon it would become. Like, as a performer, do you ever stand back and say, wow, I'm part of this, and it's huge? I do, but for a different reason. And, and first, I'll answer your first question. Could anyone have, 
you know, or what would someone say to someone who said they're going to do that? I will just borrow from Michelle, Michelle Obama when uh, Lynn told her what it was about. She famously said, well, good luck with that. <laughs> she was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So I think that's, that's the general answer most people would give someone who thought they could do that. Uh, and, and then also say, I'm going to cast people of color as the founding fathers. Yeah. Throw that in. Um, and so what did I do? I, you know, by the time I was cast, Hamilton, the train had left the station. It was, it was the, you know, sold out massive mega hit that it is. So I guess I've had a career long enough and been in enough flops and been in enough really great shows that didn't get their due or, you know, solid shows that had a good run. And I've just been in enough things that I said, well, I can't believe this is happening, but uh, when do I have to go on? I have this many weeks. I better get it together because I got to get up there and do it. So that, that was really my attitude. I didn't take much time to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm in Hamilton. I was more in a state of abject terror that I've got to get to work and get it right. You know, there's already a legacy ahead of me. By the time I got there, there was already Chris Jackson and Carvin's Lasson and uh, uh, Nicholas Christopher had played the role and uh, Brian Terrell Clark. So I, and, and on and on and on. So I was like, well, there's already a legacy here. I've got to step into these boots and, and get this right. And you're back on stage soon. I know COVID played havoc with the touring, but but you're back on stage soon. Yeah, we start rehearsal. I just got back to my home in Chicago uh, last night from you know the Ireland trip and then Poughkeepsie. And I've got a week to get things together and we are into rehearsal. And, and I don't know how the producers are doing it. They're putting up five Hamiltons all over the world. So uh, we, we all need to play our part and like get, you know, be on point it's such it's such a huge phenomenon Paul Oakley-Stoval thank you so much for being with us today best of luck with the new run of Hamilton and we cannot wait to see the TV show about Freddie Dulles thank you so much and I can't wait to have Cork be a part of it you know I, I want everyone in Cork to know that or should I say Cork I want my themes <laughs> you're learning my, fast I want, my, I want my themes and my viewers in Cork to know that you know, when I first went there, I said, I'm, I'm going to live here. I love this place. Um, and I've made some great friends there. And I want the city to be a part of it. So we're not going to come bulldozing in and ignore the, the you know, the meat of what, what it is to be there in court. Well, well, next time you're back and hopefully COVID permitting and restrictions permitting, we can do this for real across the studio. Yes, I would love that. All right. Paul, thank you so much for being with us on the Opinion Line today. Thank you for having me. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Quartz 96 FM. Stay for a while with the fascinating subject of uh, Frederick Douglass. Lawrence Fenton is the author of a book called Frederick Douglass in Ireland, The Black O'Connell, which was published by Gill. Uh, Lawrence, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, PJ. As I said to Paul, this man about whom I knew little 10 years ago is a fascinating character. The connection between him and Daniel O'Connell is worthy of exploration, even briefly on on the programme. Is it true that as a young lad, he learned English by reading O'Connell's speeches? Not quite. There's an element of that. Um, One of the books that he got very young was um, The Columbian Orator. It's a collection of speeches. One of the speeches was on Catholic emancipation, but it wasn't by O'Connell. Um, but later, 
it's it's less confirmed. Later, he, ha- he has referenced speeches of, of O'Connell and reading them when he's young, but it's not it's not crystal clear, not definite. But he's certainly very aware of O'Connell, and he was aware of the Catholic emancipation question. And um, he said that he used to hear O'Connell's name in the curses of his masters, and that he knew O'Connell was a friend. I see. And he met him when he came here, didn't he? He did, yes. He went to a speech of O'Connell's in Dublin in Conciliation Hall, and um, he was given a an entrance ticket by a friend of his in Dublin, and it was kind of towards the end of the speech. First of all, O'Connell was speaking in general about uh, this is time of the repeal movement, and he was speaking about that first. But then he ended by speaking about slavery and American slavery, and this is a common uh, theme of O'Connell's. He'd been speaking on this for 15, 20 years, and so um, Douglas was thrilled to hear him speak about it, because at the time O'Connell didn't know that Douglas was in the room. He was just doing it anyway. And then Frederick gets... Um, kind of pushed up towards the front and O'Connell's son, John, sees him and recognises him and brings him up on stage and so they, they, they share a few moments on stage and um, O'Connell um, introduces him to the crowd as the black O'Connell of the United States. Wow, wow. And, and O'Connell was quite an elderly man at that stage, wasn't he? He was, yeah. No, he was only a year, a couple of years away from dying. He was already kind of feeling frail from his time in prison Um but yeah, he was still, um, you know, happy to, um, you know, attack mm. um, the institution of slavery in America, even though um, some of his followers uh, would have told him to, you know, tone it down because it was getting, you know, it was hindering their fundraising efforts for the repeal movement in America. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that, Lawrence, you know, most people, I include myself, 10 years ago, I had... I, I remember being inside in the Imperial Hotel and seeing a plaque with the name of this guy on. I said, who was he? And and yeah. now we commemorate him with books and, and a walking trail and a television show on the way. It's remarkable. It is, yeah. No, no, he's kind of... Um, I guess he's kind of, a, kind of a character that you... No matter what kind of area you're interested in, whether it's history, literature, politics, social justice, he kind of appears in lots of different areas. And so I would have been only kind of vaguely aware of him for a long time. It was only kind of around 2008, around the, bis- the bicentenary of the abolition of the slave trade, that I um, started hearing more about him spending time in Ireland. And um, just because of the kind of the stature of him, of the man that he became, because of the time that he, ca- that, that he came here, when he was still, um, you know, kind of ex- developing as a speaker and as an orator and as an abolitionist, and because of the timing that he arrived here just on the, on the, at the beginning of the famine, it's just... Um, it all seemed remarkable, you know, kind of remarkable linkages yeah. and uh, intersections there. Yeah, it's a fascinating story, and now he's very well and rightly commemorated in the city that he spent just four days, and we, we, we should never forget that. Just four days he spent here. And we had this oh, massive... no, 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 he came for four days. He stayed for four weeks. So, in in um, Cork? No, it, it, yeah, yeah, sucked him in, yeah. Oh, really? Cork's... I, I thought... I, I understood he only stayed for four days in Cork. No, that was, that, that, that was the plan. That was the plan. But, um, no, he had... Um, he he had some... He stayed here, um, gave maybe 10 or so speeches over the course of the month. Okay. And okay. forced some very strong friendships still, here as still, well. So, um, still, a, still, still learning more, and it's great. Yeah, um, you your, book, your book is available. Is it... Can we just walk into a place like Waterstones and get it, or what's the story? 
Uh, yeah, I assume so. Yeah, yeah, that or, or else on um, Gil, um, the Gill website or something, yeah. Okay, all right, thanks very much. That's Lawrence Fenton, author of Frederick Douglass in Ireland, the Black O'Connell. Sarah McGreedy, McGreedy is the co-founder of the Douglas Week. And again, Sarah, just briefly, the, the, the commemorating this incredible man, uh, it's, it's so important for Cork now to do that, isn't it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Hi. Yeah, it absolutely is. I think, you know, even as we've seen, you know, just from speaking to, to Lawrence and Paul as well, Douglas, he's such an important figure in Ireland. But, you know, I think especially even for, for students in the U.S., they learn about Douglas and his time in the U.S., but really Ireland was such an important place to him. And Cork, especially because of the time he spent here and the friendships that he forged here. And I think it's really important that we're drawing out those connections between the past and the present and between Ireland and America through Douglas Week. Yeah. The, the walking trail is very accessible. It goes through just the, the, it, the points on it are the places where he spoke and the places where he stayed, correct? Yes, absolutely, yes. So uh, the the trail is really a, a, a legacy project of Douglas Week. This is something that was two years in the making. Um, you know, we started in kind of, yeah, about two years ago, thinking about a one-day symposium for Frederick Douglass, and this, this turned into, um, you know, this massive online event series in February, and we chose February for, for the event series because uh, Douglas's self-chosen birthday was the 14th of February, Valentine's Day, um, as an enslaved person who didn't know his birthday. Yeah. So we, the trail really grew out of this, and it was wonderful to meet uh, kind of a lot of our partners in person to launch this with, um, you know, Cork City Council, the Lord Mayor, Colm Kelleher, Chief Executive Anne Doherty, to have Kenneth B. Morris Jr. here, Douglas's great, great, great grandson, and see him walk these these footsteps of his direct descendant. And of course, Paul writing this limited series about Douglas in Ireland. And for myself and Dr. Caroline Schroeder, the the lead um, project coordinator of Douglas Week, um, for Adrian Mulligan, for for Lawrence Fenton, for for Kristen Leary. It was just fantastic to have everyone here and see kind of, you know, we started the trail um, at Kevin O'Brien's mural of Frederick Douglas. um, And that's, you know, it's an electrical box. um, And he made this as a response to um, the Black Lives Matter protests yeah. in the U.S. last year and the murder of George Floyd. So, yeah. as I say, you know, there's a real um, synergy here between, uh, you know, connecting Douglas and, you know, other abolitionists to yeah. the, the, the sort of struggles that we face today. You know, Sarah, when you think about it, um, for all the right and wrong reasons, people used to come to Ireland for for castles and leprechauns. Uh, now they'll come to Ireland <laughs> for, to mark a remarkable and commemorate a remarkable man and the huge role he played in the history of abolition of slavery. Sarah McQueedy, co-founder of the Douglas Week. Thank you. Courts 96 FM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big. 